week. One more week. One more week. One more week. One more week. Well, good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crush with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo. And the final countdown to the 2021 NFL Draft has begun. We are just one week away from our annual football festivus, folks. And in that spirit, we make the penultimate stop of our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour in the AFC South. And joining us to discuss the draft day to-do lists of the Jaguars, Texans, Colts, and Titans, it is an absolute pleasure to welcome back our good friend Jake Arthur to the program. Jake has been on the Colts beat for several years and currently resides at HorseshoeHuddle.com and is also the host of the Believe in Colts podcast. What's going on, Jake? Yeah, thanks for having me, buddy. It's been too long. It's been too long indeed, and uh, without further ado, let's uh, discuss the team that starts the whole party off on Thursday night, April 29th, the Jacksonville Jaguars, and it is obviously a very exciting time to be a Jacksonville Jaguars fan. Not only did the Jaguars possess the number one overall pick of the draft, which they will of course use to select Trevor Lawrence, arguably the most coveted quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, they also have four picks, including the first overall pick, in the top 50 alone. Should the Jags get two immediate contributors to go alongside Trevor Lawrence in this draft, could they contend for a wildcard playoff spot, if not the AFC South title this season? Uh, that's it's pretty rich. I, I think they have I think they have enough holes on their roster where I think they'll be consistently competitive, but I'm not ready to say that they're going to unseat the Colts or uh, Colts or Titans in the AFC South. Uh, yes, but. Uh... How ideal of a situation is Trevor Lawrence walking into? He's got a coach who knows how to tailor an offensive quarterback in Urban Meyer, and he's also got some solid weapons in DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault and James Robinson. Um, how ideal is that situation? Oh, yeah, I, I love the situation that they're uh, they're getting Trevor Lawrence in. So th- there's already some young building blocks on that team on, on both sides of the ball. And like you said, they have four picks in the top 50. There's a lot they can do with that. Uh, like I was telling you a little earlier, I just kind of ran over my own mock draft with this and uh, the, the stretch of players I, I was able to put together for them. That's realistic is a really nice group. So there there's a lot they can do. I, I expect their roster to get improved greatly immediately. And I, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by urban Meyer as well. I mean, he's been successful everywhere he's been. So why wouldn't the same be said for, uh, for the NFL? Indeed, and uh, Trevor Lawrence's recent interview with Sports Illustrated's Michael Rosenberg has drawn quite some scrutiny. I personally strongly disagree that the comments Lawrence himself made were a red flag, but if there was one small concern I had from Rosenberg's piece, it was Joey King, Trevor Lawrence's high school football coach, saying that Trevor Lawrence would, quote, be fine if he quit playing football tomorrow. If you're the Jaguars, how much of a red flag, if any, would Coach King's comments raise? None, honestly, like j- just because guys don't need football to to have a better life doesn't mean that they don't love it. You know what I mean? Like e- even though so Andrew Luck is like the one of the biggest examples of this, one of the pretty much the smartest guy in the room everywhere he goes. Uh, football was a hobby for him. He didn't need it by any means necessary. That's not ultimately why he retired. I mean, he, he had the injury, so he was able to fall out, fall back on some stuff. Didn't need football. But the Colts would have made that pick a billion times out of a billion today and back then. Um, a, a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who you mentioned, is is probably the, the best quarterback prospect since Luck. It's the same thing. I mean, 
you don't have to question his commitment to football just because it's not the only thing about him. You know, that that's, I, I don't, people like to over scrutinize uh, prospects that are rated this highly. I get it, but I, it just, it doesn't matter to me. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hesitate to pull the trigger whatsoever. Yes, and uh, you said that uh, Andrew Luck's uh, mindset about football wasn't the reason why he retired. It was mainly the injuries. So uh, the comparisons of Trevor Lawrence saying, oh, he's going to have an Andrew Luck career. He's going to have eight great years and call it quits. I think that's a bunch of uh, premature thinking, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Trevor Lawrence isn't going to be the first guy, again, that you know just has other things going on than football. He's a man of faith, so... That's another thing. Yeah, just got married um, as well to uh, yeah, his uh, girlfriend, I, Marissa, um, a great tennis player herself. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he, he's got a little family. He's a man of faith. You know, I, I, I think he's he's probably a God-centered person. So, I mean, he's he's just got a different outlook on things. Just because he doesn't need football to survive doesn't mean he doesn't completely love it, you know? I mean... Any any guy who we say loves football could lose passion for it in the next couple years. You just don't you don't ever know when that time is going to come. You don't indeed. And moving on to the Houston Texans, who not only have the worst roster of the entire NFL right now, they are arguably the worst run franchise in all pro sports. Period. And another painful symbol that reflects both distinctions is them only having one pick in the entire top 100 in this draft. And it's a pick that does not happen until early in the third round at 67 overall. And lots of uh, personnel folks around the league say that because of the uncertainties with this draft due to COVID, lack of visits, uh, opt-outs, etc., they say anything from the third round on is a total crapshoot, so to speak. Uh so what would the most optimal way for first-year GM Nick Casario and rookie head coach David Culley to approach this draft? God, I, honest, I honestly don't even know. I mean, I, I think we all knew it was kind of a bit of a dumpster fire. I mean, th- this has been in the works for a couple years with Bill O'Brien calling the shots previously. Yeah, I, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was as bad until I looked at it again today and looked at that roster. They, you literally could go best player available anywhere, and you'd love to give Deshaun Watson some help, but at the same time, he wants out, and he's also kind of got this enormous legal issue. He does. So, yeah. you literally need everything. They, they, they could do whatever. I, I literally would just take the best player available on the board when it comes to them. Uh, yes. Would you also consider moving back uh, from 67 overall and getting more picks, not just in this draft, but for 2022 and maybe 2023? Uh, probably. I, I think they still are set up with like seven picks or something like that throughout the draft. It just so happens it starts late. So they have a good amount of picks. It just doesn't start until the third. Uh, but yeah, there, there's probably a couple areas. If I were them, I'd move back to, to get a couple more picks in some spots. Yes, and moving on to the team you covered, the Indianapolis Colts said, when you look at the Colts, they are a team that is not particularly great at one single thing, but very good at many, if not most things. And of course, they're rolling the dice on Carson Wentz to help them take the next big step forward, but they need help elsewhere as well to do so. What should the Colts' main priorities be in the draft? Yeah, so that's a team that is always going to look best player available first. They're not going to pass up someone they feel is a star just to address a need. Uh, but with that said, it just so happens that their two main needs this year, uh, defensive end and left tackle, 
it's a very good class of both in this draft class. Uh, so, I mean, the, if you were a betting man, I, I would say to, to place your money on one of those two positions being addressed first. Um, left tackle, of course, you, uh, you never want to be without one. Teams can get creative and get around that issue for a while. But defensive end, uh, if, if you can't provide pressure, then it's going to be really hard for your defense. Um, so you kind of have to have that in order to take the next step. But they're they're pretty well-rounded roster overall. They just have those those two pretty big red flags to address, and uh, they 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 know they know they have those areas to address. So they'll do it in some way. And uh, Chris Ballard isn't afraid to wheel a deal. He uh, obviously made that big trade down with the Jets uh, in 2018, uh, just three spots down, but it was a big deal because they were able to get Quentin Nelson and Darius Leonard as a result of that trade. And uh, in 2019, you uh, traded down. Uh, with Washington so they could get Montez Sweat and the Colts uh, got an extra second the following year uh, in return. Uh, could you see the Colts, uh, given the extraordinary depth of this draft class, make a similar move down the board uh, starting in the first round as well? Oh, for sure. I, I think most of us that cover them kind of assume there's going to be a trade down at some point. And at, I mean, at, at 21, it seems pretty likely as well. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. Uh, how they're almost certainly going to approach it is they'll have a cluster of players uh, that they're coming up on once once it's getting closer to them at 21. If they feel like they can move back and still get at least one of those players, they'll they'll try and, and do it. Uh, they just, of course, have to have a willing trade partner behind them that wants to move up. But I uh, I very much think they'll, they'll try to acquire more picks, especially considering what they gave up for Carson Wentz. Uh, they don't have a third-round pick this year. I, I think that's probably going to drive Chris Ballard crazy. And they only have one second round pick. Um, they've they've wound up with 10 picks in the second round since 2017, since Ballard came in. So I imagine they're going to they're going to pick up an extra second or a third round pick somewhere. Uh, there's really no better place to do it than moving back from 21. Oh, yes. And another reason why I think the Colts uh, would prefer to move back is because they may not even have a first rounder next year. If Carson Wentz plays uh, the requisite amount of snaps in the deal they made with the Eagles, the Eagles get their first in 2022. Yep. I mean, you you, you never hope to not have a first round pick, but if, if it winds up being that they don't have their first round pick next year, then it probably means something went right. Uh, it's, it's based on if Carson Wentz plays at least 70% of the snaps and the Colts go to the playoffs, or if he just flat plays 75% of the snaps regardless. Uh, so I, I think if they've let him play that many snaps and they probably like what they've seen uh, because they, they do have, I mean, I, I think they'll still get a, a veteran backup at some point, but they have a developmental guy behind him and Jacob Eason who they might want to see thrown into the fire for a little bit. So I, I don't see that happening. I, I think Wentz will play the, the requisite amount of snaps and it will turn into a first-round pick given to the Eagles in 2022. And last but not least, on to the reigning AFC South champion Tennessee Titans. And as far as the Titans are concerned, most mock drafts have them addressing that gaping hole at edge rusher in the first round. But that said, the Titans' passing attack took a bit of a hit in free agency with the departures of Jonu Smith and Corey Davis. Do you think the Titans will seriously consider an offensive playmaker at 22? There should be some good guys available there. Or do you think it's pretty much edge or bust for them, so to speak? No, I've, I've actually got a few areas I would look at for them. Uh, of course, edge is, is one. Maybe they think they've put a decent Band-Aid on it with Bud Dupree and Danico Autry. Uh, both those guys are more strong side, so... They still kind of need that that weak side rusher. 
Uh, but you could say right tackle as well. Really offensive tackle in general because Taylor Gawan has had some issues uh, in his time in the NFL. Cornerback is a need, but wide receiver really is ugly. Um, if the season started today, A.J. Brown really is like the only guy you're confident in whatsoever. They added Josh Reynolds, but that doesn't do much for you. Um, they have huge holes at, uh, at cornerback. So I would, or not cornerback, but, uh, receiver. So I would expect that to be addressed early. Uh, again, it's a really good class of receivers. So I, I think they'll get that done at some point. He is Jake Arthur, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow him on Twitter at Jake Arthur NFL and catch his work at horseshoehuddle.com and the Believe in Colts podcast. And now it is time to do some three-round mock drafts for all four AFC South teams. You had some made in advance, but how we do it on this show is we use the mock draft machine of the Draft Network. We do it uh, live as we're recording, and uh, unfortunately no trade downs uh, in this exercise and uh, we just uh, make picks, and a player cannot be picked uh, twice by two different teams, so to speak. So let's get started. We start with the Jaguars, and we all know they're going to take Trevor Lawrence at one. It's been in Sharpie since December, and uh, Trevor Lawrence is the first overall pick, and now the mock draft machine goes all the way to the 25th pick, which the Jaguars have as part of the Jalen Ramsey trade. And... Uh, they should have a slew of options to choose from. And given the needs on their roster, uh, they might not be able to go wrong with any of them, so to speak. Even a, a trade back in reality could be uh, huge. And uh, here's who we have so far. We got Christian Barmore, a defensive lineman from Alabama. If you want uh, that uh, middle piece in between Josh Allen and Caleb on Chason, he would be a pretty good pick here. Uh Elijah Vera Tucker is still on the board. Uh, if you want to beef up tr uh, Trevor Lawrence's protection, if he fell all the way to 25, he would he could be a steal here. Uh, and uh, Alex Leatherwood, if you want an offensive tackle, he's the best tackle on the board. Travis Etienne, if you want to reunite him uh, with uh, Trevor Lawrence here, I'm not a big fan of taking running backs in the first round. And you got James Robinson. I would strongly disagree with this pick, but a lot of people have been hyping the, the possibility, j just throwing it out there. And uh, Samuel Cosby is another offensive tackle that could uh, start uh, to go around this part of the draft. And uh, our Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa, uh, yeah, you got Miles Jack, but uh, uh, you could uh, Wusu Koromoa is a chess piece for your defense. Uh, and uh, uh, Trayvon Merrig, a safety from uh, TCU is still here and uh, the best wide receiver on the board is uh, Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. If you wanted uh, another weapon to make a three receiver set with him, DJ Shark or uh, LaVisca Chenault, uh, he could make sense here. God, I'm confused. What do you think? Uh, yeah, lots of good options. Uh, I think right there, I, uh, I mean, interior line isn't a huge need, but I, I would take Elijah Vera Tucker there and play him at guard. Uh, they've got um, they've got Linder at center, and then McCann and um, shoot, his name escapes me. But they, they've they've got decent guys. Yeah, Norwell. Norwell. yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, but shoot, I, I mean Elijah Vera Tucker has all pro potential at guard. I think I'd throw him in there. Um, I, I think that would be my pick. You make life easier for uh, for your new quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. I mean, pressure in a quarterback's face is, is something every single one of them hates. So uh, I, I think that that'd be my pick. Him being there at 25 is a huge value to begin with. So 
Uh, yeah, um, uh, Urban Meyer, um, with all the needs on the roster, don't draft for need, draft for value. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker at 25 would be an absolute no-brainer. And uh, you got uh, Najee Harris and Travis Etienne still available at the 33rd overall pick to start the second round. Uh, Trayvon Merrig uh, at safety also available. Uh, if you want to tackle, uh, Samuel Cosme is still available uh, to, to, to maybe develop him for a year. Uh, behind uh, Cam Robinson and him take over next year when uh, Cam Robinson's franchise tag expires could make a lot of sense uh, as well. Uh, or if you want another weapon, you got uh, Rodale Moore, wide receiver from Purdue, or Terrace Marshall still available. And uh, uh, let's see, uh, uh, is Pat Fryermuth? Uh, it doesn't look like Pat Fryermuth is available uh, uh, here. Uh uh, or he he just might be. Uh, uh, I, I'm surprised. I'm kind of shocked that about the the rankings I have. Yeah, oh yeah, Pat Fryermuth is still available, but he's ranked uh, much lower on uh, the on the draft network's draft board than he was just a couple days ago. So again, Jaguars, so many roster needs, a lot to choose from. <laughs> yep, that's a, that's a good one. I, I think again, you go with value here. Uh, you get another outside wide receiver and Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, you got two LSU guys on the outside with uh, DJ Chark and Terrace Marshall Jr. And uh, LaVisca Chenault cleaning up in the slot. I, I like that. Let's go for it. Terrace Marshall. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence absolutely loves uh, his compadres at the spot draft. Elijah Vera Tucker and Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, to round out that wide receiving court, he would be one happy man. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, now we're at 45 overall, and this is the pick the Jaguars, I believe, got in the Yannick Ngakwe trade with the Vikings. And Travis Etienne and Javante Williams are still there, but uh, with with James Williams still on the team, I'm not sure you want to draft another running back. Do you? <laughs> nah, it's it's just, it's not, it's unnecessary. Yeah, I completely agree. And uh, um, let's see who, who else you have. Uh terms of uh, offensive tackles, Brady Christensen from BYU is the best tackle left on the board. Um, and uh, safety is another D. Jamar Johnson from Indiana is still available. Or if uh, uh, or Richie Grant from UCF just uh, down the road in Orlando, uh, he could be a good pick here if, to, to, to fill that need at safety. Or Elijah Molden from Washington, a corner safety hybrid. And that safety need is a huge need. So uh, Brady Christensen, Richie Grant, Elijah Molden, uh, I think some pretty good options there. Yeah, so it sounds like Mayrig's probably off the board then now, right? Correct. And, and Fryermuth as well? Actually, Pat Fryermuth is still here. Ooh, okay, let's do it. Yeah, I, I mean, they uh, they really need a pass-catching tight end. When was the last time they had a game-changer at tight end? Um, <laughs> you, you give... You give uh, Lawrence, another young weapon to work with, finally, and provides good blocking, yards after the catch. Uh, there's a lot to like about Fryermuth. Yeah, that blocking, I think, is the big, big reason why Fryermuth would be a, a good value pick here because Fryermuth could be that uh, tight end to, to stay in line and help block for Trevor Lawrence while he dishes it out to Terrace Marshall Jr. if he goes to the Jaguars, as we have him in this box, DJ Chark and LaVisca Chenault. Uh, so uh, you... You kill two birds with one stone with the Pat Firemuth pick for the Jaguars, and a lot of people have been saying uh, that's a good reason why Firemuth would make tons of sense there. And we conclude this uh, three-round mock 
for the Jaguars with the 65th overall pick. And uh, uh, in terms of offensive tackle, uh, Jalen Mayfield is more of a guard from most of the people I speak to. Uh, so he, he's not a tackle. The best offensive tackle on the board right now is either Jackson Carmen of Clemson, who many people also believe he's more of a guard, or Spencer Brown out of Northern Iowa, who's more of a project. But when you look at the safeties, Richie Grant is still available here, as is Jamar Johnson out of Indiana. So uh, I, I think uh, this is great value for Richie Grant, personally. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. I, I really like Richie Grant there. Uh, part, part of me wants to go Spencer Brown because I think the timing of his development would go perfectly with what you have at Cam Robinson if you're only going one more year. Uh, but Richie Grant, that's that's a little too good to pass up, I think. Yeah, so with this uh, four-round mark for the Jaguars, we got an impressive fall with Trevor Lawrence, Elijah Vera Tucker, Terrace Marshall Jr., Pat Fryermuth, and Richie Grant, the safety from uh, – University of Central Florida going from Central Florida, North Florida, Orlando to Jacksonville. And now moving on to the Texans, who only have one pick in the first three rounds of 67 overall. So we're going to just wait for the board to uh, uh, to come to us, uh, so to speak, here. But if the Jaguars ended up with a haul like the one we just came up with, with Trevor Lawrence, Elijah Bear Tucker, Terrace Marshall Jr., Pat Fryermuth, and Richie Grant, uh, I would pretty much say that's an A- draft at least at least on paper wouldn't you uh, yeah i would think so i yes. mean that you, you probably want to give him a little more defense but that offensive talent i mean you don't you don't pass that up just to to add balance on defense yeah absolutely and if you want to go pound for pound with the mahomes and the chiefs in the conference uh you gotta load up that that's all there is to it and uh just curious who did you have in your written mock for the jaguars just to compare and contrast uh, so for those picks, I had Trevor Lawrence, of course. Uh, I had Gregory Russo available at 25. I, th- I think he fits what they do well. I, th- I think he would probably be a, a good strong side end for what they're looking for. Uh, Trevon Mayrig at 33. Fryermuth at 45. So, so that was matched up. And then I had Spencer Brown at 65. Oh, that's a very good mock as well. And if they do add somebody like Gregory Russo, uh, to that defense, uh, what does that do to Caleb on Chase on? Does it make him more of an off-ball backer, Caleb on Chase on? Uh, so what I saw was a lot of Josh Allen and Caleb on Chase on rotating uh, at, at the weak side. And I was reading something where they, it, it really could benefit them to have a, a more strong side guy. And just with his size and, and strength and really the fact that he's raw and can kind of be molded into whatever you need still – I, I thought Russo was a, a pretty good fit there to be their strong end of the future. And uh, at pick 67 overall, we are finally on the clock with the Texans. Their one and only pick in this uh, three-round mock. And the best player on the board is LSU's Jabril Cox. Although linebacker isn't that big of a pressing need for that because I believe they still got uh, Bernard McKinney and Zach Cunningham. And maybe one of the stronger positions on their roster. But if uh, you look at safety, you got Jamar Johnson uh, from Indiana. Uh, if you want wide receivers, uh, you got uh, Dwayne Eskridge and Almond Ross St. Brown or Tylen Wallace uh, s- still available. If you want to go corner, the best corner is Ifeatu Melifonwu out of uh, Syracuse. He's the best corner left on the board. Or Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. And, uh, uh, and some other players that are still available to come to mind. Uh, 
Davian Nixon from Iowa, Tommy Tremble, tight end from Notre Dame, Brevin Jordan, tight end from Miami. Uh, we can't draft Richie Grant again because we gave him to the Jaguars. Uh, hmm. Pete Werner, linebacker, Ohio State. Josh Myers, interior offensive lineman, Ohio State. Uh, Janarius Robinson, edge out of Florida State. Uh, uh, it hit, the cupboard's pretty bare, man. Quincy Roche yeah. uh, out of Miami. God, what do you do here? Yeah, it really is. Um, I mean, the, the rankings on those guys probably aren't too far apart. So in that kind of an instance, you can lean a little more towards need uh, or the bigger needs, that is. I think Tyson Campbell is a pretty good value there, cornerback uh, from Georgia. Yep, Tyson Campbell, a track star, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in from high school. And uh, Tyson Campbell, we give Tyson Campbell to the Texans at 67 overall in this three-round mock. Who did you have for the Texans in your mock uh, initially? I gave him Amari Rogers. I, I really didn't know what to do because, <laughs> like, <laughs> like you saw, there's just you could do anything. I figured I'd give him a receiver because they're they're not too settled there either. Uh, so I gave him Clemson's Amari Rogers initially. All right, so now on to your Indianapolis Colts, and uh, we are fast approaching their pick here. The board is uh, falling rapidly fast, and the Colts are now on the clock. And uh, uh, Christian Barmore is the best player on the board. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker is still on the board of this exercise, but we already gave him to the Jaguars. But in, in terms of uh, defensive end, Quiddy Pay from Michigan is, or, or Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, both uh, great players uh, still on the board here. Uh, if you want to go corner, you got Greg Newsom from Northwestern still on the board. He'd be a great pick. And the best offensive tackle on the board is Alex Leatherwood or um, Samuel Cosme if you want to go tackle here. So uh, Pay, Aziz Ojolari, Greg Newsom, Alex Leatherwood, or Samuel Cosme, if you could. Uh, but for this exercise, you got to pick one of those five. You can't trade back. But but if the Colts were staring at a board like this, it's way what they'd be more than happy to trade back a couple spots. I'm sure. Oh, um, yeah, I'm sure they would. Because again, you you've identified kind of a cluster of players yeah. where if they move back a couple spots, they could still get one. Yeah. Uh, I imagine Christian Darasaw is off the board in this scenario, right? He is, and I personally expect Christian Darasaw to go as early as perhaps fourteen. Or, or 13 to the Chargers, uh, so, so to speak, in the I, real draft. I can see it. I, I have him and um, – what well, let's see. I have him and Rayshon Slater ranked very, very close together, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if other teams have, have it that way as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, but for, for answering this, I would definitely go Quiddy Pay in this, in this scenario. I love the guys in edge rusher. Uh, he's still got plenty to work on. So the Colts like projects at defensive end. They sure do. Um, and he is a little bit of one, but he's got so much to work with uh, as far as a project goes. I think he could contribute right away, um, at, at least as a designated pass rusher. But I see him being able to fit in on either side of the line, uh, left, which would be more strong side for Colts, or right as just kind of the more pass rusher type. I think he's versatile. I think he's explosive. I think he can provide you pretty much anything you would want in a defensive end. And uh, although they do need offensive tackle, I just think it's harder to find an elite pass rusher than it is an elite left tackle. Yes, and another thing with Quiddy Pay is that uh, he played a lot of his stabs at Michigan uh, inside. And uh, in nickel situations, you could put Quiddy Pay and uh, DeForest Buckner next to each other and they could go hunt um, together, so to speak. <laughs> 
yeah, good good luck to to opponents' interior lines in that scenario. But that you're exactly right. He could play a little bit inside and out. There's a lot you can do with him in in different packages. And on to the Colts' uh, second and final pick of the three-round mock, because keep in mind, they do not have a third-round pick this year, as Jake alluded to, because of the Carson Wentz trade. And the best offensive tackle on the board right now is uh, uh, Jalen Mayfield. No, you're a guard. Uh, do you think Jalen Mayfield's a guard? I, I wouldn't mind playing him at tackle, there, but there's such a small sample size to see. I'm leaning more towards his potential and what his 2020 tape showed. Um I like him. I'd be willing to take a chance on him, but I I do totally respect those that that don't love what they've seen and, and might think a, a positional switch is in play for him too. And if you look at corners, the corners that are still available, uh, and the Colts do need corners. You got Elijah Molden from Washington, and he's a versatile player that I think Matt Eberflus would love very very much. Uh, the wide receivers the best wide receiver on the board is nico collins out of michigan at this point and uh uh but uh, you got Dwayne eskridge and almond ross st brown as well uh or if he out to melifonwu uh chris baylor loves uh, long corners and tall corners uh, if you want him uh he he could go here uh but the cupboard's pretty bare when it comes to tackle here you got uh Spencer Brown is the best one on the board right now, or uh, Jackson Carmen as well. Yeah, so I I think I'm going to go with with Jalen Mayfield on this one because I I think he I think he's more athletic than his testing showed. I, I think his tape showed he's more athletic than that. Um, I just see him being a, a Colts style draft pick uh, again. He's someone who is is a bit raw. You don't have a huge sample size, but lots of potential. Uh, they have a need at, at left tackle, and they they have enough guys that they acquired through free agency to get them by if they absolutely have to uh, this year. But if Mayfield's not ready to play right away, then you know they'll probably be fine with trotting him out there starting in 2022. Uh, yes, and another thing that uh, takes me back to the Colts, why uh, you take a Mayfield, is uh, the Colts, uh, I believe, Braden Smith, he was a guard, coming out of Auburn, and the Colts made a bid to an above-average uh, right tackle, so uh, they could uh, believe that if they could do that with Braden Smith, they could also do that with Jalen Mayfield, no? Yeah, absolutely, and, and that honestly wasn't even the plan with Smith. Um, he, they they kind of wound up playing him at right tackle because they just had no bodies left, and uh, their offensive line coach at the time, Dave DeGuglielmo, he, he told Chris Ballard, he's like, Look, that I mean, I know we want him as the right guard of the future, but that kid can play right tackle. And it took some convincing for Ballard. Um, but I, I think it was I think it was kind of a moment of clarity to not be so stuck in your ways and, and what your positional measurements and things like that have to be. Uh, so I, I think Ballard has seen a good example before of guys you may think are guards. If you look a little closer, they can play tackle. And last but not least, on to the four-round mock, the three-round mock, sorry, <laughs> got ahead of myself there, for the Tennessee Titans. And uh, Pay is still available here, but we gave him to the Colts. Aziz Ojolari would be a pretty good pick here, but you also got Greg Newsom, the second out of Northwestern, uh, still available here. And the best wide receiver on the board, uh, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, reuniting A.J. Brown with a college teammate of his wouldn't be a bad idea either, but... Uh, uh, 
But I, but I think if I were the Titans, I would be thinking the choice would come down to either Aziz Ojolari or Greg Newsom the second. Yeah, that'd be pretty wise. Uh, what, what's it looking like at tackle right now? Tackle, uh, it's Alex Leatherwood is the best one available, followed by uh, Samuel Cosme. Gotcha. Oof, man, Cosme's a really Titan-style tackle, though. Hmm, yeah. that's tough. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I think I'm going to do it. That's, uh, yeah, we're, we're going with uh, Samuel Cosme. You Ooh. know, they lost Dennis Kelly, uh, their swing tackle, and, you know, they, they had uh, Jake Conklin go out last year. Again, we talked about Taylor Lewan and, and, you know, some of the injury issues. I think he got suspended at, at one point as well. Uh, so they, they could really be in a world of trouble if they don't have if they don't have more uh, surefire things there at tackle. And I think Samuel Cosme fits that very well. Yes, and the depth of this uh, playmaker class at uh, wide receiver especially uh, gives the Titans uh, definitely more freedom to pick a guy like Cosme at 22. And uh, before we go on with the tight smock, who did you have at your initial Colts mock draft before we uh, came on the air today? We gave them Quiddy Pay and Jalen Mayfield at our mock, and your prior mock for them had? Uh, I did have Quiddy Pay at 21, and I gave him Liam Eikenberg at 54. Yeah, Liam, Liam Eikenberg, a lot of people think he's a better guard than a tackle because of his arm length, but uh, the Colts uh, know how to make magic with that offensive line, so to speak, so they get the benefit of the doubt whether it's Jalen Mayfield or Liam Eikenberg with the 54th overall pick. And now the Titans back on the clock at 53 overall. And uh, you got Amari Rogers, who was Trevor Lawrence's number one weapon last year at Clemson, the top wide receiver available. But Gregory Rousseau and Joseph Asai are also here at Edge. And Peyton Turner from Houston, uh, if you uh, value him as high as uh, the folks at the Draft Network do. Um uh, you also got uh, Deami Brown, if you think he compliments A.J. Brown better than Amari Rogers would. Um, at, at wide receiver and a corner, you got Asante Samuel Jr. as the best corner on the board here. Lots to choose from. Oof, that's a good one, man. As much as I want to give them a receiver, I really think it'd be wise for for them to pull the trigger on someone like Asante Samuel Jr. Yeah. So should we give them Asante Samuel Jr. here? Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and do it. I, I think his value would be higher than any of the receivers at the moment. Uh, yeah, because do you think there's a drop-off at corner at this juncture of the draft when you see names like him go? Um, after him, I do. Um, the, the day two for cornerback is going to be really full, uh, but I, I think when you're looking at that top group of tackles, it's rounded out by Asante Samuel Jr. After that, you're looking at, you know, Adebo, Tyson Campbell, Aaron Robinson. You're, you're looking at that those next tier of guys. But Asante Samuel Jr. is like, to me, he's, he's like that last one that's fringe first round worthy. And we're back on the clock with the first of two Titans third round picks in this three round mock. At 85 overall, Almond Ross St. Brown is uh, the best wide receiver of the board. But he also got Brevin Jordan, a tight end from Miami. If you want to have another pass catching tight end to replace John Smith, Brevin Jordan could be an option here. Or Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, if you want a speedster on offense uh, in, in terms of weapons. Um, you get, got three intriguing choices of weapons here with Brevin, jo- Brevin Jordan, Almon Ross St. Brown, or Tylen Wallace. That is really tough. Oof. Um, I think I'm going to go with Tylen Wallace on that one. Yeah. And uh, why do you think he's the best uh, compliment uh, to uh, A.J. Brown and why uh, take him over uh, Brevin Jordan at tight end? 
Yeah, so it's it's you know he's he seems safer to me. They really, with how bad they need receivers, they can't really take a gamble. Someone who's going to phase out. I think uh, Wallace knows how to get open, runs routes, gets you know he he knows how to use his body, uh, decent hands. I think I just think he's a really appropriate pick for them at that spot. Brevin Jordan at tight end. I think tight ends take a while to develop and uh, they need help now. So they don't have a lot at tight end either. You know, they lost John U. Smith, but they did bring Anthony Ferkser back. Yeah. Uh, but Tylen Wallace would be my guy there. Yeah. Plus uh, he gives you an, a lid lifter at wide receiver, which is essential in today's past heavy NFL. And now on to pick 100 and uh, if you want a quarterback project to develop behind Ryan Tannehill, you got Davis Mills or Kellen Mond still available here. But uh, the Titans also need a safety. And Tyree Gillespie from Missouri, or Darius Washington out of TCU are the two best safeties on the board. Or Andre Sisco from Syracuse, if you want to roll the dice on a playmaker like him here. Yeah, what's, uh, what's the edge market looking like here? Uh, the edge market, uh, we got Jordan Smith from UAB, the best edge on the board. Victor Demukaje from Duke is here. Hamilkar Rashid Jr. from Morgan State. Cam Sample, Tulane. Dio Odangbo from Vanderbilt. Or Patrick Jones, the second out of Pittsburgh. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Well, I do like what they have at safety, so I, I think I'd be more inclined to give them someone like Patrick Jones from Pitt. Uh, I, I like Amani Hooker. You got to love Kevin Byard. Um, I'd, I'd be more inclined to, to give them a little more edge help. So, uh, yeah, Patrick Jones sounds good. So we conclude this Tennessee Titans mock draft with Patrick Jones, the second from Pittsburgh. And before we uh, let you go, Jake, uh, what was your mock with the Titans from yesterday? <laughs> so to speak. Oh, I yeah, so I gave them Tevin Jenkins first. Tevin um, Jenkins, oh God, perfect fit. He op- that um, butt whooper <laughs> opening holes for Derrick Henry. Can't think of a more ideal fit. <laughs> right, that's such a Mike Vrabel offensive tackle, right there. Yeah, uh, I gave them Amon Ross St. Brown at fifty-three. Yeah. Uh, let's see, and then eighty-five. I gave them Kelvin Joseph, the cornerback from Kentucky. Oh, if he falls that far, it's pretty good value there. Yeah, I, I kind of wonder if if the maturity and character red flag things, if that's going to wind up dropping him. Uh, plus, it is like I said, it's going to be a, a pretty crowded cornerback market on day two. Uh, so any of those guys could could slip to 85. Uh, and then I rounded him out with uh, Quincy Roche, the edge from Miami at 100. Yes, and he is Jake Arthur once again, ladies and gentlemen. Catch his work at thehorseshoehuddle.com and his podcasting at the Believe in Colts podcast. Follow him on Twitter at JakeArthurNFL. Jake, thank you so much once again for joining us today. And that's it for now here on Sports Grudge. But our Dash to the Draft official tour around the NFL concludes early next week with the AFC East. And I also would like to take this opportunity to announce that for the second year in a row, I will be hosting two live streams during the draft. One during the first round on April 29th, beginning at 7.55 p.m. Eastern Time, and the other during rounds 2 and 3 on April 30th, beginning at 6.55 p.m. Eastern Time. Like the Sports Crutch Facebook page, and remember that is Crutch with a K, or subscribe to the Sports Crutch YouTube channel to catch both. 
I will also post the link to the live streams in my Twitter bio. Stay tuned, folks. It's going to be a fun next week here at Sports Crunch. And before then, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Jake. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 for Jake Arthur, this is David Cromwell saying so long, and as usual, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe, and please get whatever COVID-19 vaccine is available to you right now. We want full NFL stadiums in the fall. Get those vaccines, folks. Thank you very much. Thank you very much.